This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. <sighs> is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. You are listening to the 23 Personnel Podcast, where food and sports clash at the goal line. Here are your hosts, Spencer and Michael. All right, everybody, I want to welcome you back to another episode of the 23 Personnel Podcast, a show where we get ready for all things food and sports. I'm your host, Spencer, joined by Michael. Hello, everybody, and welcome to one of my favorite times of the year, Thanksgiving. Oh, it's going down. Yeah, it's going to be good. It's going to be good because it always is. And we've got a, a lot of good questions from you guys and some... Uh, some feedback on when Spencer asked about favorite Thanksgiving dishes. So. I was not expecting the the outpouring of <laughs> discussion. So I, I sent that out, and then like I sat down for dinner, and I watched the basketball game, and then I got over to Michael's, uh, you know, HQ North up here at a hundred and whatever it is. <laughs> and uh, I like that. That's north. Yeah, it's, it's north of HQ. Hundred something Street in Lubbock is is north. Yeah, well, we're at 138, so. <laughs> um, and then I, I, I get here and check Twitter, and it's like, oh, I've got 20 notifications. Yeah, a lot of people chiming in. Thanks, guys. Half of it was about football, and half of it was about Thanksgiving, I'm pretty sure. All right, well, because we have so much to talk about, let's go ahead and jump in. We have not an intro topic, but intro discussion points. All right. Point the first. I wanted to make sure that you were all aware that there is a distinct possibility that Oklahoma and West Virginia could play in back-to-back weeks. This is the first time that I have heard this. There's how, no way that's possible. How is this possible? Is it in the same sport? Are you talking tennis? No. Obviously, we're talking about teams finishing one and two in the football standings. They play on the last week of the regular season, and then the, oh. if they finish one and two... They can go to the conference oh championship oh game. Oh, boy, the, the rematch, the grudge match. Jerry World. Think about how... Light how, the world on fire. How awful that would be. To have, like, we felt like like a sigh of relief after having survived Oklahoma. And not that we won, but they were like, okay, we're done. We don't have to right. see them again. We did it. It's like, it's like taking a test. Even if you leave it knowing you failed... You're just, you're just glad it's over. Yeah. Well, West Virginia, I, I did it again, West Virginia. I, I don't know what is going on, West Virginia. They have, the, like we said, the, the possibility of having to face them back-to-back weeks unless they stumble and fall to the third place. I, I haven't looked at the standings and the schedule to figure out how that's possible. I mean, what's... Just you guys should know, though, it's a possibility. What's the over-under on this game, like 140, 130? I don't know, because when Oklahoma and Oklahoma State played, there was legit not a defense on that field. No. Basically, right. like, seven on seven or whatever. Yeah. I, I would like to contend. I was at the Frazier uh, right before the Tech game started, and I, I watched that two-point conversion, and there was a guy decked out in burnt orange holding his 
hook him horns above oh his gosh. head during that two-point conversion. And I think that is single-handedly what cost Oklahoma State the ball game. I wouldn't doubt it. All right, some exciting news for us, although it took like two clicks of the mouse. <laughs> and I don't know why I didn't do it before. I even think about it before, but if you hadn't noticed yet, we are now on Spotify. What? You can find what? us on Spotify. So if you listen to Spotify at work or on your phone, um, you don't have to go through the iTunes or Google Play Store to get to us. We still get all those beautiful download numbers straight to our, our host. So if Spotify is your jam, we're there. I searched it yesterday just to make sure, and it exists. Yeah. And we're it's like there. Everything. And it even has the Iowa State post game explicit tag. Oh. It, yeah. <laughs> As it, it should. It carried over. <laughs> all right. One more thing. We have a, uh, I have the distinct, I, I keep saying distinct. That sounds right. I have the honor yeah. of judging. A chili cook-off this weekend. I'm so proud that you're doing this. Proud? I don't know why, why you should be proud, because this was your opportunity. You're like, nah, I'm not going to be able to be. I, well, I wasn't able to do it. <laughs> we but, had we had family photos scheduled for a long time, and I, so the I couldn't do it. So the got passed. Yep. <laughs> but I Keith, gave you the opportunity. Keith is going to go. I, I, I think he's even submitting uh, a bowl for, for competition. Man. So we're going to, unfortunately, because the game is going to be at 2.30, I... This may have been like the only time I was I was actually hoping for an 11 a.m. kickoff. The game's at 2.30. Aside from Iowa State. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that one too. The game's at 2.30. Uh, kickoff starts at 5. We're at the library. So if you're interested in doing any of that, think, I think they're still taking registrations. They have an event page on Facebook. Uh, I don't actually know what the name of it is. I'm so sorry. But I, I'm not paid for this. I, I, I will have my... Get a complimentary bar tab. Air quotes bar tab. I don't drink, but like right. I will be pounding Coke Zero. Or something, <laughs> I was about I to say endless, endless diet endless. sodas. Yes, sir. As as we're sipping on Coke Zero right now, courtesy of Spencer. Yup. All right. Let's before we get to football, like for real football, um, we do have a special guest this week to help us preview the Kansas State Wildcats. Grant Tommy from. I know he's doing the Imadio podcast. He's starting that back up on SoundCloud. He used to contribute to or still contributes to Bring on the Cats. Uh, anyways, he does a great preview for us. Lots of great info there. But before we get to football, we got to talk about some basketball because the regular season has started. Game three went final tonight. Your Texas Tech Red Raiders moved to 3-0. and Oh, Yeah. There were two games since we last recorded our regular podcast versus Mississippi Valley State Delta Devils, which was that's okay. Excuse me. This is the the I guess the the pr- proof point for Labar's theory about how teams are terrible the longer their names are. I, I think I think he's onto something there. I'm not going to disagree with him, but I had no idea that they were the Delta Devils. That that kind of redeems great, it a little bit. That's a great name, man. That that was a pretty cool mascot. So we played them on Friday. Texas Tech wins eighty four to fifty two. Um, not as as wide of a spread as it was against uh, game number one. Incarnate Word. Incarnate Word. Thank you. UIW. No, no, no. Sorry. No. They, they want to be called UIW. I'm going to call them Incarnate Word. Man, because that's so. St- stupendously dumb <laughs> alright versus Mississippi Valley State you, you won 84-52 you had three three players finish the game in double digit 
points. Moretti had 17, Culver had 12, Corpru had 11. Then you had two guys that were very nearly uh, notching a double-double. Corpru um, had 11 points, 8 rebounds. And Tariq Owens had 9 points, 7 rebounds. Dude is on fire with his blocks, too, because he had a handful more tonight. Um, I I believe if, if we have too many more of these... Uh, Lower level non conference games. He's gonna. He's gonna. <sighs> the comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car selling command center, thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. I'm going to reset the school single-game block records. Because he had, he had six in the game against Mississippi Valley State, and like three of them happened like one possession. Oh, I remember uh, that poor dude. I remember he just reading kept about the that. shots. He's like, "Nope." I think nope. I missed it. I, I don't, it may have been in the Slack chat or on Twitter, but I, it was just the same poor guy. Yeah. I've been in that scenario. <laughs> as as, as the blocker or the blocky, uh, I may have done it as the blocker once or twice, but definitely the blocky. That's what I remember. Yeah. So there's a game tonight, Southeastern Louisiana. We actually played this team in football several years ago. I know TCU played them in, in football last season, I believe. One of our last uh, offers. Oh, yeah. Our, um, it was like 61 to nothing, I believe. Yeah, and that would have been a lot longer ago than, than just a couple of years. Yeah. Yeah, so we the game was quite a bit closer tonight than it probably should have been, 59-40. Jumped they, out to a 17-3 to lead early and – yeah, you, you kind of let them coast back in it a little bit. Started, you had some dry spells where your offense wasn't scoring. Your mm-hmm. defense, I don't know. It it seems strange because you know you give up only forty points, but they had a lot of open looks, and it seems like so many of these teams, at least early on, have been able to pass the ball around, like around the outside, around the the three point line, enough times to to create somebody, to give somebody an, an open shot, right? Mm-hmm. Um. Luckily, Southeastern Louisiana was like eight for fifty on three pointers tonight. <laughs> I'm only slightly exaggerating. It was something like eight for thirty, or um, but having taken thirty three point shots, they had a lot of opportunity. They just didn't hit very many of them. Um, Odiase had a career high and rebounds tonight with thirteen, uh, and then Culver had himself quite the first half. Yeah. 14 points. He was five or six from the field in the first half. Right. Yeah. He finished with 21 points, but man, really just was on fire in that first half. It, you'll have to forgive us a little bit. They don't have uh, the box score and the stats are kind of hard to find because the game has just ended. So we're not, 
I guess there wasn't a lot of demand for this matchup for people to keep a lot of stats that could just be handle handily scenes after the game. So did you did you watch the game? I, I got to watch a little bit of the first of it and then probably the last eight or ten minutes. Okay, so this is something that Samantha actually pointed out. There was a group of male students on the front row. I missed that. I know um, what you're saying, what you're going to say, but it, I missed it. They were in the corner. So like when when uh, Southeast Louisiana was taking free throws, you could see them in the corner of the screen. Mm-hmm. They were wearing like either bathrobes or like graduation robes, right? Right. But then when they were up there shooting free throws, they were they would open their robes and they were dancing. Not air quotes, dancing. It was obnoxious gyrating they were gyrating yes and they were wearing nothing but speedos underneath those robes man it's so cold was, it's quite the show it's cold today i am th- this may sound weird i am all for this <laughs> well wasn't there a group isn't that always the area where you have guys doing those sorts of shenanigans wasn't that where all the bob knight the bob knight guys sat I, I couldn't tell with you. With the vests and the sprayed gray hair. <laughs> I, I think there was a group, that, there was four or five of them that came to most all those games and kind of sat down in the front. I, like I said, I couldn't tell you. But upcoming schedule, you've got, uh, you're traveling to Kansas City for a tournament. You play USC on Monday, and then you take on the winner of, it's Nebraska and... Is it Missouri? No. I don't think it's Missouri. I don't think it's Missouri either, now that I said it out loud. I, I'm Yeah, I, I'm failing you here. No, you're you're good. I just this was on the on their site today. Oh, okay. It is it's Missouri State. Yeah, so Missouri State and Nebraska. Sorry, I just said that. Yeah, you were right on that. Sorry. Okay. One more thing before we get to no, this is getting to football. Oh yeah. Despite Labar's shade, we're gonna talk about fantasy for like twenty seconds because we're running late. <laughs> Um, with two weeks to go, because I just checked it, with two weeks to go in the season, I have a 7-4 to four lead. Yeah. It's not looking good for the the triumphant, I don't want your lives. <laughs> Spencer came in this week, wiped the floor, went in 4-17 to 3-29. I, uh, just didn't, I just didn't perform well, I, didn't I execute had, the game plan. I uh, had two, two players with single-digit points. I think it's you did too. I did too. But your double digit players were I a had lot a, better. I had a player ejected during the game and David Montgomery way to go starting fights. I don't think I realized that. So okay, I had little Jordan Humphrey on the bench. Oh and man. I could not for the life of me make myself start him. Just kind of out of well, you didn't need him. But he no, would have he, he was outs- your higher scorer. He would have outscored any starting receiver yeah he would have i also had antoine wesley who would have outscored how do you have both of those guys that's just not even fair well i picked up antoine wesley like week two remember like it was like during the game that's right you did yeah where it was at the houston game it was one of those games like i'm gonna go pick him up yeah and i think i had terrible cell service and (laughs) sitting down there with the normal folk and you were up there in the press box making roster moves normal folk (laughs) Up down there, I'm down. I'm a man of the people, common people. All righty, let's get to the game this weekend. Okay, I I don't, 
I don't know if I've recovered from the game on Saturday. I think I've just moved on. <laughs> you just like, acted did, like it did, didn't happen. There's there's been no healing. There's been no solace. Denial. It's just we're we're on the Kansas State. And maybe I'm just hoping that we travel up to Manhattan and we just unleash all of our frustrations on the Wildcats. Because it seems like the more I've read about them and when I talk to Grant, I think there is so much going on with that Kansas State program off of the football field. And not like in a terrible, like they've got some kind of scandal going on. Oh, no, no. I think like they're that. just about ready to pack it up this year. They, they're they're four and six. They're underperforming what they would have expected this year. There's a lot of weirdness going on with Bill Snyder, um, which we'll, we'll get into when we talk to Grant uh, here in a little bit. But... I'm just hoping for like a get right game. Um, you've, you've got a chance to finish out the season going seven and five. Uh, I think if you get to seven and five, there is no conversation about extending Kingsbury. I think he's going to be fairly safe. You give him the extension, you move on. If he loses these two games, I don't think there's a conversation. I think he's gone. I think yeah. if you split the next two games where you go six and six, that's when it gets to be, you'd have some really uncomfortable conversations and you get to talk about like, did the defense really improve? Which I I want to talk about not not tonight because I, I don't I haven't prepared this conversation with Michael. Oh man! But when you really start to look at it, has the defense really improved? We'll have to we'll have to table that. I think first, I think so. first impression. Think about that last possession for Texas. Well, and also. Think about how almost all of us just knew that Texas was either going to get in field goal range. It, it was just kind of a foregone conclusion, right? That, that was my point. Like, Having, but you know, they'd they'd stopped them a few times before, just in that game. But there was something about all of a sudden we lost faith in the last minute forty. We we knew it. We knew it was coming. We knew things were coming. And it back. happened. And it happened. It, it it even went worse than I thought it would. I didn't think I didn't think they'd allow a touchdown. Yeah, and, and they did. Okay, so there there was a a comment I heard, and I want to get your your, your thoughts on this. Um, and it's in regards to Jet Duffy because it all looks like we're going to be rolling with, with Duffy these last two weeks. Um, my expectation is he will start, and he is talented enough to win you both of those games. I don't think he's going to cost you these games like he cost you the game against Texas. But here's what I heard. This is a quote. I, I, I can't tell you who it's from. But they said, Jet Duffy is the worst quarterback I've ever seen at Texas Tech. I, I don't want to throw that out there just yet. Because for good or bad, and I think this is maybe what you're about to hit on, he threw for 444 yards last week or whatever the number was, some something and pretty high. Af- after sack yardage, he rushed for 80. So he had 524 total yards. Right. So if that's – okay, two fumbles and an interception thrown in there with it. If that's the worst quarterback you've ever seen at Tech, I, I don't know. Well, if that's true, then he's got some really – he's got really good competition with Nick Shimanek because as – as decent as decent as Shimanek was last year, he was not. He was not what you were expecting. Not what you needed to win uh, games with. 
are Duffy's stats due to his talent, or is Kingsbury able to scheme enough out of him to get 524 yards against a defense like Texas? And but you can't scheme turnovers out of him. No, and I'm not sure. I think a lot of it is to his talent because Kingsbury. Want to interject here and say this is where we lose a couple minutes of audio because the batteries in the recorder died. We finished discussing whether or not Duffy and his stats are because of talent or scheme with Kingsbury. And then we start discussing Antoine Wesley being or going to finish number two all-time season receiving yardage for Texas Tech when we pick up after we replace the batteries. All right, sorry for some technical difficulties. Batteries on the recorder ran out mid-sentence, and Michael started talking. I was like, I'm so sorry. I'm going to have to stop you. Boo. So we were talking about Anton Wesley, though. Of course, this is going to be seamless to what we had just talked about, and you're like, what are you guys talking about? It's fine. Um, yeah, so I was saying I, I feel pretty confident that he's going to move up into number two for Texas Tech season receiving yards and – He's only got 82 yards to go to get to that point. Yeah, so he he could pass uh, he could pass Kuti in the first half. Yes, theoretically. Well, he's maybe not even theoretically. If he's he had 99 average. yards in the first half against someone pretty recently. Yeah. So that's not a crazy thing to to predict. All right. So before we get to um, the preview with Grant, I wanted to ask you for your just a quick prediction. Um. I'm going to say currently the line is minus six and a half. That's what it was when I wrote the notes. It may have changed. It's been about six, six and a half points. Michael, how do you see this game playing out this weekend? I think Texas Tech rolls them. Oh, I like it. I, I'm, I'm going bold on it. I think it's it's like 42-21. Very nice. And I, I'm, I have no Which reason. I think would be the I have season. no reason to explain. The season <laughs> averages for both those offenses. I think it's 42-21. to 21. Okay. Because – Kansas State, I mean, as as good as they've been, like, running the ball against everybody, they don't have a, a star-wide receiver. Isaiah Zuber is probably their best guy, but even then he's not somebody that's going to take the top off of a defense. Um, he's, I would assume he's more of, like, a pos- possession receiver. Um, and then you just got to stop their one running back, right? Well, yes. two, because Delton is, is going to And Barnes be, is really good. He is. But if that's all you have to worry about, like, you can – Say, you know, Justice Parker, why don't you go ahead and stay in Lubbock this weekend? We're going to run three linebackers this week. Yeah. I, Barnes is, uh, gosh, he had 100 and I think 17 yards against Kansas, something. Which isn't, isn't all that much, but still. But I think he came up big in the end uh, for K-State. I, you, you know he's he's going to really be tough to keep keep held down, but he's he's – I don't want to sound – arrogant or anything but he's he's about your only concern on offense uh that well just being able to contain he and the running quarterback delton yeah i think he's got i think he averages like delton can move to pass attempts a game yeah yeah that's true um i was gonna try to make the joke about i was gonna say you know who came up really big for kansas state and their game against kansas peyton bender uh yeah <laughs> quarterback Whoop. for kansas <laughs> <laughs> All right, so Michael, you think they're going to roll? I, I, 
I'm going to skew a little bit more conservative and still say it's going to be about a touchdown game. Come on, jump on the jump on the train. It'll probably f- not feel as close as the final score. I maybe Kansas State scores late, or maybe like you get out to a two touchdown lead and then like they score to get within seven and then you score again and get to fourteen. Um, so I'm thinking like thirty one twenty four ish 34 27 so let's get to the preview with grant tommy from imadio podcast and we will join back up with you to do some of your questions especially your favorite thanksgiving dishes i'm excited about this conversation me too and then we will wrap it up All right, we want to thank Grant Tommy from the Emaudio podcast for joining us tonight. He's going to be helping us preview the game this weekend against the Kansas State Wildcats. Grant, thanks for joining us tonight. Hey, sister, thanks for having me on. Yeah, I appreciate it, man. I, I know that you've got a you're restarting the the Emaudio podcast. You've got Seth on from Staking the Plains uh, for this week's episode. Um, of course. It, most of our, our, our listeners are, are aware of, of who Seth is, and we're, we're all big fans of, of all that he does here. Um, but I wanted to get your, your opinions, your thoughts uh, about this K-State football team as we, as we get ready to, to make the journey up there to Kansas. Um, and I guess really we want to start with, I guess, the difference between 2017 and 2018. Um, I, I will admit, I'm, I haven't been like watching a whole lot of Kansas State football this season, and maybe that's where I, I could probably have answered my own question. But as somebody like me that hasn't been paying a lot of attention to Kansas State this year, um, they just see that the, the record isn't there, that, the, that they seem to be struggling a whole lot more than they were last year. What, where would you point to as being kind of the biggest difference between the 2017 team and 2018? Well, there, there are a couple of position groups that are, have been kind of let down, like the offensive line. But I think if you, if you had to oversimplify it, the difference between 2017 and 2018, I would probably point to uh, the question marks heading into the season were at wide receiver, uh, linebacker for certain, and then defensive line. And that's kind of in, um, I guess we'll call it ascending order. Um, you thought you could maybe see where the defensive line might be able to patch it together. I'd say K-State was on a pretty good string of years for a while, having actually pretty good defensive lineman depth, which you probably can relate to at a school like Kansas State, Oklahoma State, Iowa State, Texas Tech. You're not going to get the best defensive lineman talent uh, out of the, the pool in a given year. Um, but K-State had done a pretty good job over the years. You know, A lot of them ended up being local Kansas kids, your Will Garys, your um, Ryan Mueller's through the time. Um, but then linebacker, uh, you lose you lose two starters from last year, and, and I think maybe just the equation winds up being somewhere in between all that too. Was there's just uh, there's some glue in the locker room that I think just came undone, and, and I don't know if some of that was the departing talent or not, but it's just been a weird. He it looked like the equation was much more put together than it wound up being. Yeah, so you mentioned there there being some possible glue uh issues with the with the team in the locker room do you think any of that maybe came from the at least from the outside looking at like a very interesting situation going on with when Snyder changed the quarterbacks yeah that that would be the first one that probably started it through the 
through the year, um, not only was it the changing of quarterbacks, but there was a game, and I can't remember which one it was, but um, it, it really, maybe it was the West Virginia game, maybe, I don't remember, but both quarterbacks really kind of played about as equal as they could between the two. But in post-game comments, Bill Snyder was kind of critical of Skyler Thompson, um, but kind of apologetic for uh, Alex Delton. And the reality was, uh, you know, both of them had their share of mistakes, both of them had their share of successes, but it became kind of clear. It was almost like this favorite, underlying favoritism, and it, which left a lot of media members kind of scratching their heads. And the following Tuesday press conference, uh, one of the Manhattan local radio hosts kind of went directly at that situation in a press conference and is a little relentless in, in his line of questioning. And it just, it got pretty sour pretty quick that, that particular Tuesday. But that was the first instance. And then, uh, rewind two weeks ago following the TCU game, uh, starting wide receiver and, uh, number one punt returner Isaiah Zuber must have punt after the defense held TCU to a three and out to start the game. And, more or less, Bill Snyder singles him out um, in his post-game conference. So, while that none of that could be good for a locker room, and I think as it's kind of been hard on the outside looking in. Um, Bill Snyder's starting to show some character traits that just aren't, frankly, you know, quintessential Bill Snyder character traits. So. Will you just correct me if I'm wrong? Uh, for those that, that don't know what happened with the quarterback situation, it was a few games ago, um, in the middle of the game, he went and, and decided to, to change the starting quarterback. Skylar Thompson had been starting, um, and I guess before the offense took the field, he, he approached uh, Alex Delton and told him he was going to start, but didn't tell the offensive coordinator or the quarterback coach or even Skylar Thompson that he was making the switch, right? Yeah, that's correct. That's for Ed. I'd forgotten about that one. That was probably that was probably the incident in between the two eye outlets. Um, but yeah, Kellis Robinette of the Wichita Eagle and Kansas City Star was the one who kind of was able to uncover that story. So anyone who's interested in learning more about that, you can kind of uh, hunt that down should you on the old Google machine. But yeah, <laughs> that was another another instance as well. All right, so let's talk about the the Kansas State offense for for just a minute. Um, I. I think we're we're all pretty familiar. Like if if you're going to look at Kansas State offense, you look at like the three skill positions. You've got Alex Dalton at quarterback, Alex Barnes at running back, and Isaiah Zuber as a wide receiver. Um, and then we're pretty familiar with with the the offensive mindset for for the Wildcats. But we we tend to make a big deal when we when we play the Wildcats about time of possession. Uh, and we we try to stress and like it seems like everybody does around here that. Um, you've got to be really efficient in your, your possessions because the way that Kansas State will hold on to the ball, you won't get as many possessions. You'll need to be scoring points just about every time you get the ball. Um, and then I, I, I was doing a little research, and I don't know how accurate this is because it's <laughs> I, I haven't figured out a great way to, to do this math, but when you're looking at, at time of possession, it looks like in your guys' wins, uh, Kansas State is averaging about 32 minutes, um, which isn't like a whole lot. And then and the losses are about 27, but is that, is that a stat that you guys follow, I guess, as closely as maybe your opponents or, or at least for Texas tech, is that something that you guys track a whole lot? Oh, it's been pretty common in Bill Snyder's 
second tenure. I mean, in his first go around, I don't know that it was really ever talked about that much. Um, it, it's just that's what's been kind of, I don't know if peculiar is the right word about this night or second tenure, but I think it's just, it's almost as if the precedents that were set early on, uh, when he first came back, that was really important just because he didn't have a lot of talent on the roster. We had running back Daniel Thomas at the time was about the best athlete we had. So it really was, it was crucial to uh, establish the run game and, and just, you know, help out the defense by keeping the offense on the field as long as possible. And then, of course, Colin Klein helped proliferate that or, or exaggerate that. And so, you know, I don't know that it's uh, necessarily been that important to the fans until the second the second tenure, but it's been a huge emphasis, certainly, from the coaching staff standpoint in the second tenure. So, um, I mean, at this point, averaging 21.1 points a game uh, as anemic as this offense has been this year, um, we're just we're desperate for just any semblance of success. Right. Um. Yeah. So okay, let's let's I guess look at the other side of the ball. You you, you mentioned some of the the guys that um were. I guess you, you're feeling their absence and, and, the, and the difference from 2017 to 2018. Um, those that are casual uh, Big 12 fans or like that, you know, are preparing to face Kansas State. I think are pretty familiar with with, with the quarterbacks with Alex Barnes and, and probably Isaiah Zuber, um, but don't know so much about the defense outside of maybe Duke Shelley. Who would you you point to as kind of your, your leaders on on defense uh, this year, especially going into this game? That's a really good question because, um, yeah, Duke Shelley went out with a foot injury. Um, he had his surgery last week, and so he's no longer available for the season. And the defensive secondary for a while was probably trending to be the best position group of the defense. But it's been uh, kind of a carousel back there in terms of lineups and matchups due to injury. Um, Denzel Goolsby probably would have been that leader. Um, I would have said the way he finished last season, and he was the defensive MVP of the Cactus Bowl, but he went down early in the year with an injury and, frankly, hasn't looked the same all year. So um, it, it really has been – I mean, there's still some, I think, some decent pieces in the secondary, but um, it's just kind of getting that cohesion and that, uh, you know, knowing who's to your left and who's to your right – been a different lineup the last probably three four games. I just think for them it's probably it's been hard to get a chemistry. It's all chemistry. So if I have to look in the front seven, saying all that, I, I really do like what DeQuan Patton that linebacker does. I think he's kind of that solid, dependable, reliable. You know, he's, he's maybe not the most athletic linebacker we have, but certainly still an upgrade over what we may have been accustomed to in the past. Um, at times he can get out of position, but I think by and large he's been a, a huge improvement over the, the course of the year. But um, kind of coming on late here at the the end of the or the second half of the season, um, redshirt freshman Wyatt Hubert at defensive ends kind of started to make his presence known, and uh, uh, Jordan Mitty at defensive tackle, but uh, Reggie Walker I think at defensive end. If I had to pick one person, I think it's either between uh, DeQuan Patton where I started with. Or Reggie Walker defensive end. Yeah. So when, when I was looking into the, the the stats for the defense, I was looking at the the S and P advanced stats. I don't know if it if this is 
partly because of, of the guys that you mentioned that, that are going to be out. But it looked like your your pass defense was probably the, the strong suit for the Wildcat defense this season. Um, you know, for for categories where you guys were limiting the opposing offense to on explosive plays, your your pass defense was much higher rated than, than the rushing defense, and then on passing down defense, it's top twenty five. Um, is that something that you guys are, are kind of relying on is, is your defensive backfield, your, your, your secondary and, and slowing teams like Texas Tech down? Uh, I, I'd like to say, yeah, that's who we're relying on, but you know, kind of how, as I outlaid, it's just been kind of a mixed bag of results. I mean, go all the way back to the Baylor game. It's just, as you might Back for a four and six football team, um, a lot of inconsistency across the board. So, been some up and down games, but I mean they've they've had some fairly good uh, showings. Of course, you know that's when Duke Shelley was still still healthy. Like the Oklahoma State game uh, was a tremendous game in terms of pass defense. But uh, there were times when uh, you know credit to Kansas, they had some athletes that could could get downfield and break free. Thank goodness their quarterback just can't throw the ball downfield. So, so yeah, I don't know. I, I guess I'd have the answer. I think a little bit of a mixed bag. Um, it, it was middle part of the year. Looked like this was going to be our best unit of the defense, but uh, I don't know. It's a little questionable at this at this moment. Okay. Um, before I let you go, I, I guess I've got two questions left for you. I want to do a preview and prediction for the game. Um, and then I got one more question about Bill Snyder. But if you look at the line for the game, it's kind of hovering around between six and seven points in favor of Tech. Over under, as we would expect against uh, a team like Kansas State, fairly low for for at least for Texas Tech at sixty four. Um, how do you see this game playing out? And and what, what would you say some keys of the game for where Kansas State would be? Well, uh, it's it's funny when I used to do my own podcast, so I'd always uh, I'd always look at the points for points allowed and do the averages, and I, I did that for this game, and uh, it, it shows a. Uh, it, it is always amazing how close that simple math problem, that law of averages, would match Vegas lines, um, and so so doing that for this game, it looks like a Texas Tech thirty four, Kansas State twenty six kind of game, and. You know, I don't know if that sounds all that that far out of reach. <laughs> you know, that, that doesn't really sound that unbelievable. Um, you know, that's a point differential, and I mean, thirty-four and twenty-six might be kind of weird numbers to arrive to. Maybe the the thirty-four a little less than the twenty-six, but um, you know, for if K State's going to be able to, to somehow pull off a win and be victorious, I, I think you're relying on. Uh, getting to Jet Duffy, but we've been a bad tackling team, and the way he's been able to uh, scramble out of the pocket, I, I could see him giving us fits. And then, you know, for all the stuff that I outlaid for you with the the struggles of injuries in the defensive backfield, I, I just don't see how how matching up against Antoine Antoine Wesley and JD on high and TJ Vasher uh, looks to be a a favorable matchup for Kansas State. Like, you know, we've got a Blitnikoff Award finalist on the other sideline, so I I don't I just I don't see Kansas State being able to um at that at that twenty one point one points per game clip and the time of possession that you talked about, I just don't see how they could keep up in the points column with Texas Tech. 
Yeah, it's, it's a game that I think we're all expecting to be a little closer than would otherwise be when you look at um, these teams, especially when you consider, you know, like, like you mentioned, like we were talking about the time of possession. Um, 34 for Texas Tech feels maybe just right. <laughs> I don't know, because like when you when you talk about uh, Jet Duffy's starting quarterback for Texas Tech, you're not exactly sure what you're going to get. Um, we saw him put up, you know, 524 yards against Texas, but three turnovers that ultimately prevented Texas Tech from being able to win that game. And I think that's that's the biggest part of his game that that would hinder, uh, you know, the team from being successful is his propensity to turn the ball over. Um, and then the defense holding, you know, Kansas State to what 26 or 27 points. Um, you know, it, it's really going to depend on one not letting. Uh, just Alex Barnes, just eat, eat your lunch and just you know grind you to death. You know five six yards of carry. Um, yeah, I mean it's it, it's going to be interesting because I, if you look at history, I don't know how much that matters to any, anybody, but uh, Texas Tech has not won up in Manhattan since two thousand eight, um, and I think they've in general Texas Tech, uh, regardless of, of the location, has won two games in the last decade. Maybe just one. I'm. I'm not. If you're not looking at 2008, I think it was, uh, 2014 or 2015. I'm not sure. It, it it's been a while, and we haven't fared well against Kansas State in, in in years that we feel like we probably could have won the game or should have won the game. Um. So we're really interested to see how the game turns out. Uh, hearing that weather may be a factor. I know you guys played in some really cold temperatures this past weekend. Um. And then how well we're able to take care of the ball. So one last question before I let you go is, I guess, related back to Bill Snyder. Um, everybody seems to be following his career and saying, is this going to be the year that, that he, he, he retires? Um, I wanted to ask you your opinion. Do you think, one, that Bill Snyder may be done after this season, or do you think he may be stayed a year too long? Ooh, I like the way you phrase that. That's a really good question. Um, before I get to that, though, just real fast, you, you mentioned the weather. And usually up around these parts, we like to try to tease, you know, the Texas kids aren't ready for <laughs> for the the wind and the weather. But I, I throw that out the door when we're talking about Texas Tech players. I mean, there's nothing I don't think that Lubbock experiences that we don't <laughs> up here. So I don't know if I were a Texas Tech fan, I'd be too, super concerned about <laughs> Weather playing a factor in the outcome of the game. I think you guys can handle the the stiff, stiff winds over the plains. I think you're, you know, what that's like. Yeah, and the game this past weekend against Texas, I, I'm sure it was still. I mean, it's warmer than it was when you guys were playing Kansas, but I think it was in the mid to low 40s and a pretty gusty wind. So, um, it it, it was cooler and, and and there was a little bit of snow here in town today. Um, but I don't think it's going to be as cold as it was either this past weekend or will be this upcoming weekend. Uh, yeah, in Kansas. I, it, it was brutal sitting through the. Uh, I think it was 18 degrees at kickoff, but oh, uh, so much hopefully colder. that does, <laughs> hopefully that doesn't happen again uh, this weekend. But should Bill Snyder have even stayed this long? I mean, obviously hindsight's always 2020. I I think the answer is probably yes. He probably should have. Uh, hung it up sooner, but it's kind of a complicated situation because I think I've read the guy's biography and just knowing exactly how hyper-focused he is on the day-to-day, I truly do believe that he, 
I guess I'll say struggles even with uh, retrospective or reflection sometimes um, because he's just more about waking up the next day and doing doing consistency and just doing whatever, putting whatever he can do to try to make a football team better or, or what he perceives to be to be better. So um, I don't think he was ever really going to step back and reflect, you know, when's a good time to to hand it off or to step down. And there's been, you know, this underlying dichotomy with his son. Of course, he wants to try to make it, make a case for his son taking over the program. Um, yeah, I think he probably should have uh, retired sooner. I do think this is, there's enough, I think, smoke right now that points towards, I think this will be his last, last season. Um, I would expect that that season's in, unfortunately. So, might put us behind the eight ball in a coaching search, but I guess the way I'll answer the should he have retired sooner, I will relate it to kind of what I tell people right now when they say they think he should be able to call his shot whenever he wants. I keep challenging those people to think, okay, so like we can all look past like staying up five and seven, four and eight. I think the whole entire fan base can look past that and not even it'll be a forgettable season and no one will hold that against his legacy. And I don't think anybody really care, uh, you know, by and large in the grand scheme of things, but all these people who think, you know, don't push him out the door. He should be able to do whatever he wants and come back. I've got sort of two things to say to him. One is like, if we all just stood by idly and watched him like dismantle everything that he built, I think is a little bit disrespectful to his legacy for one. And then secondly, like, so if he came back next year and finished the year seven and five, eight and four, which I think would be, you know, better than four and eight this year, I, I asked him like, well, well, then what? Like, like what? How? Tell me how that's so much better. Like, you know, you graduate more seniors. There's supposedly because of how toxic the locker room is right now. There's, uh, you know, rumors out there about how many kids are going to transfer. I mean, you could end up sending or making a worse condition to hand off a year from now, even with a successful season. So I, I just don't understand exactly, like, what what else, because he's not going to win a national championship at this point. Like, what else is there to accomplish that the man hasn't already accomplished that it's like, you know what, like, it's been a good run. I think we all can acknowledge that. There's, I have no disrespect for anything he's done i don't want to disrespect anything that he has done but like what else is there to accomplish at this point and i just it's like let him spend some time with his grandchildren i mean sadly last year he lost one to suicide um and it's just like life is precious and there's so many more things out there more important than football at age 79 it's like why why would you just enjoy other parts of life at this point yeah, I, I understand what you're saying there. Is there, um, sorry, I want to tack on one thing. Is there a, I, mean, I would assume so, is there a succession plan in place for when he steps down or, or to just kind of open up a coaching search? I would hope it's uh, open up the coaching search. Um, I mean, everybody talks about Bill wanting his son, and I'm like, well, I don't really care what Bill wants because you hire athletic directors. That's one of the job duties of an athletic director. And that's really disrespectful to that employee to take those types of things out of their hand. And so I would hope that 
at the new athletic director, Gene Taylor, who's been on the job less than two years, would get a shot at conducting a coaching search however he wants to conduct a coaching search because, after all, that's what he was hired for. Yep. I understand where you're at there. All right, Grant, I want to, pre- I want to thank you for your time tonight. Um, for those that want to listen to the, the Texas Tech side of the preview, uh, will you let them know where your podcast will be and how they can listen? Yeah, so the Emaudio podcast can be found on SoundCloud. I believe it also ends up getting posted to iTunes as well, but um, it will show up on the GoPowerCat.com homepage uh, in the coming days. Uh, I have not recorded that podcast yet, but I would suspect uh, it would be up on Wednesday or Thursday this week on GoPowerCat.com. All right. I appreciate your time tonight, Grant. We look forward to uh, the game this weekend. Uh, good luck and hope everybody stays healthy. Hey, Spencer. Thank you much for having me on. All right. We obviously want to thank Grant Tommy for spending some time with us on the Kansas State preview. He did a preview with Seth um, on, on his, his podcast, Imadio Podcast, Imadio Radio. No, the Imadio Podcast. I'm sorry. It's on right. SoundCloud. If you want to hear Seth's interview with him, check it out. But now, it's time for your questions. Oh, let's do this. Let's dive in. Like, my favorite segment used to be Going Yard and Cord Cutter's Corner and then our intro and fantasy. But when you guys step up like you did tonight, it's 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 hard to ignore. And it's, it's true because Spencer just lit up about these questions like he normally does when talking about his green fescue. So he's excited. Okay. Just looking back at my Twitter uh, notifications, there's one here. Orlando's liked your tweet. Oh, they did? Yeah, and this was this was about uh, asking for questions after the Texas game. <laughs> <laughs> well, an at interesting, least... <laughs> interesting, que- interesting tweet to like. Yeah, it's interestingly timed. At, at least they're... You know, paying attention. Yeah. We're on the radar. Not when I walked in to pick up my to-go order, though. That was a disaster. Right? Yeah. Okay. First up, Tyler Timmons at Ty Timmons. I think Tech wins by double digits. So there, you got somebody in your in your court there. Oh, I didn't even see that. When did he say that? He's the first one, three hours ago. What? Yeah. So so he, he retweeted it. So. Oh, I didn't see that. You see? wouldn't see that. Yeah. So my, my bad. My yeah. Bad. Yeah. You're bad. <laughs> he goes on to say Duffy settles in and cuts down number of turnovers and Tex D has a solid game. Yeah, I, I think they're going to have a great game because I think without the threat of Delton or Zuber in the passing game, and if, if you look at the advanced stats, like Kansas State is not very good passing the ball. Um, you've, got one, you've got one singular focus and it's going to be stopping the run. I mean, it's easier said than done, right? But you don't have to worry so much about play-action pass because there's nobody there to throw it to. The offense, Seth mentioned this in, in his uh, primer preview, that the offense is 102nd in S&P plus right now. Your defense, while it may not be great, and we t- talked about this a little earlier, I think S&P is, I think your defense is 90, 92. So as bad as your defense is, you're still ranked ahead of their offense. Yeah. And their defense is almost as bad as their their offense. Yeah, the defense is uh, 82nd. And your offense is 14th. Okay, so this is something that I wrote down, and Michael didn't see because I didn't feel like putting in a bunch of tables that we weren't going to reference in the <laughs> podcast, except for right now. 
Kansas State last year. They so the S and P rankings have one for for special teams last year. Uh, Kansas State. I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna transpose this. I bet. Last year, no. Last year, Kansas State was the number one ranked special teams team in the country. This year, they're like in the seventies. Oh man! So everything's gone down. But your Texas Tech Red Raiders, not number one. They are a single digit. They are top five. They're number four. I had no idea. In the country for special teams. Thank that you, really, Dominic Penazzolo yeah, and Clayton Hatfield. Mr. Shire. Um, need to de- you, everyone needs to, to delete all their Fire Shire hashtags. Yeah, from like game one. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's, that's my bad. <laughs> let's delete all those. Um, all right, let's get to next. Next. To reply from Nicholas Tam at Nick underscore Tam 1991. What would a loss to K-State mean for this program? It would mean there are some serious conversations about to be had about the longevity of the coaching staff. Um, yeah, you touched on it earlier. If it's kind of sorry, the, the, like going one and one on the next two <laughs> games, and I, I think this is a very similar place to where we were last year at this time. Of course, we weren't hosting a podcast, but I think we felt the same way. Uh, generally, but going one and oh, nothing's changed except now we have mics in front of our face. Yeah, so we feel so going one so and one in the in the last in these last two games. Uh, that means it would throw this complete program into a lot of uncertainty. So his his next next comment or question: Do injuries justify keeping Cliff, or are they just a mirage for poor coaching? Um, I think we've had the conversation between the us con- contributors, mm-hmm. writers for Staking the Plains, um, that when we start to get into talking about injuries and, well, you've had to deal with starting three different quarterbacks and this and this, and we start talking about the um, the what-ifs, we're justifying it, and we're playing the moral victory game, right? Yeah. And I think to a man, it was like, playing moral victory sucks, right? Because you're still losing if you're playing for moral victories. Right. Um, if you're talking about, yeah, we had to play three quarterbacks, yeah, that's true. You did. Um, and you're probably getting more more production out of your third-string quarterback, probably even your second string, because when you talk about Bowman being your second string, you know, obviously he would be a lot of teams' first first quarterback off the bench. Or Sorry. He'd be a lot of, a lot of teams' starting quarterback. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just... I don't know if you can look at injuries and say, despite us losing all these other games, that injuries played a big enough part in it to justify keeping a coach around that has the trajectory that Kingsbury has if you lose one or both of these next games. That's a really roundabout way of saying, I don't think they matter as much as maybe we do. As much as yeah, I, they they matter to guys like me who don't want Kingsbury to be fired because I'm always trying to look for reasons not to to have him fired, and I don't think they have to matter. I, I think everyone really can look at just wins and losses and go, okay, well that's enough. That's enough evidence right there. Completely out of the, you know, in a bubble. Just look at wins and losses and and you can come up with a determination there and I wouldn't think anyone's wrong. That's what's so div- divisive about this is, is, uh, 
there's a lot of there's there's a lot of evidence, a lot of empirical evidence as to why uh, he shouldn't be kept around. And then there's the rest of it for keeping him is <laughs> a lot of this type of stuff. Well, you know, a lot of injuries and special teams last year. Hatfield was hurt and all the other stuff that goes with it. That's all. That's all I know to say on that one. Okay, he's got one more part for us to discuss. Does Campbell, and he's talking about Matt Campbell from Iowa State, getting Iowa State ranked in the college football playoff in just three seasons make people think? I would think, I would say, yeah, absolutely. He he was already making people think last year. Yeah, and, and there are a lot of comparisons to Campbell. Well, look what Campbell can do. In, Which I think is, is an easy one to make when he does so well against you. He, right. And Campbell's three seasons at Iowa State, he's 3-0 and against you. Yeah. With arguably at least similar talent, if not less talent. Agreed. So, yeah, I, I would think it makes people think. Um, but also it makes you think, you know, you don't have to be tied to a system to be successful. We had this conversation a little earlier today. There's some people that that if and when it comes down to Kingsbury being let go, that they want somebody to still run an air raid. It's like you're essentially saying that you're more tied to an offensive system, which in my opinion has been figured out. You've I been agree. defended. Like it's not like a it's not the advantage it once was. You're more tied to that than you are to winning games which I think it doesn't make sense to me. Um, moving on. Moving on. Moving on. John Thomas, what does a winning conference record this year mean for Texas Tech? Well, I think it means a lot because it's the first time you've done it with Kingsbury. If you get to a winning conference record, you are 7-5. and five. Um, You can start to quiet some of the, the people that are saying – Maybe there's not enough improvement. You're saying you want an improvement this season. I think if you go seven and five and win five conference games, you can feel pretty confident saying, "Well, there's there's stuff to point to." Yes, yeah. you, you were injured. You, you can you can play that card too. Like you, you did that while you were injured. Yes, you laid eggs at home. Yes, yes you did. You uh, yeah, you you could play it both directions. Uh, Only got blown out. Yes, once. you you won on the road. Uh, what you'll have to do. Came back from halftime. I forgot what game it was, but there was one game we were down at halftime. It's Houston. No, no, because you, you took the lead right, right before. Man, what was it? Well, how many games have we won? Five? Yeah. <laughs> it, w- it wasn't Lamar. No. It wasn't Houston. It wasn't West Virginia. West Virginia. Well, we didn't win that one. I know. That's my point. It wasn't Iowa State. It wasn't it K- Was it Kansas? No, it wasn't Kansas. Dad, come. Who have you beaten? Who have we beaten? No, no I, I think I made that up. Was it TCU? It might have been TCU. We might have been tied. I'm going to look it up. I'm looking it up. All right. Um, oh, hey, real quick, weather report. It's going to be cold. Saturday in Manhattan, it's going to be a high of 37 with 40% chance of rain, snow showers as of Tuesday night. So that forecast could will change over the next five days, I'm sure. But to Grant's point, you know, he was talking about how they like to make jokes about Texas teams making the, the trip up to, to Manhattan saying those Texas boys don't know how to deal with the weather. He conceded that a lot of what they have 
in in Kansas is very similar to what we have here in Lubbock, except maybe a little cooler. Yeah, I, I think it's pretty. It's a high close. of thirty seven. That was basically what we had today. It was. Uh, well, it was definitely it was what we had it was, yesterday. It was, it was drier. High of thirty two yesterday. Okay, it was TCU. Tech was down seven three at halftime. There you go. Now Kingsbury's like two and twenty. No, <laughs> three and twenty one. One and zero in the year though, or whatever it was. <laughs> All right, so. There were some... Uh, no, he's not. That's not right. No, it was... Sorry, a never lot mind. Of, yeah. Ignore that last thing I said. A lot of discussion on an, a, another part of the question tweet I sent out because it was referencing favorite Thanksgiving dishes, and we're going to get into the first one from Rob Bro. Yes. Right here. All right, so he says, Thanksgiving staples top five. Five, smoked ham. He was, he was specific there, smoked ham. Mm-hmm. Four funeral potatoes. Big fan of funeral potatoes. I think they need to be renamed to something else because there's so much, such greater application than just for funerals. My wife and I talked about this. Is that basically kind of like the cheesy potato casserole? Cheesy potato. Okay. okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Whatever it is, it's fine. That's great. Great. Good list. Green bean casserole. I'm a fan of green beans. I'm a fan of green bean casserole, so I'm good there. Two, fried turkey. It's a little low on my list. I'd probably bump that to number one. What I don't have on here, though. I'm, spoiler, number one is not dressing or stuffing. So his number one is West Texas Dirty Rice. Which I asked I, him what that was, and he told me it was classified using a, a Tom Cruise gif from <laughs> from, from Top, Top Gun. Gun. Very good. It's like, oh, man, now i got to know what it is. And I love you, your gif response. It's animated. Yeah, it's the it's from Archer. Uh, I had a my – only, my only deal is uh, – this may be a poor fat, a poor food take. Green bean casserole, so overrated. Not a fan. Yeah, could so live without. I like it. I don't know if I'd put it top five. I've had it, I've had it several times, but only once. I've, I've really enjoyed it, and it, it was so good. I had to tell them how much I usually don't like green bean <laughs> casserole, but I liked theirs. We went over to a friend's house, and she had made it, and. At first, I was kind of thinking, oh, great. Now I've got to eat this and act like I'm enjoying this uh, cream of mushroom soup with green beans in it. Basically. <laughs> and uh, I've, I've got to act act thrilled. But hers was hers was really great. So I guess, I guess there's some hope for it, but it definitely wouldn't crack my top five. All right. Speaking of top five, we got another one from Alan Corbin. You ready for this? I, yeah, he throws he throws out a good one at the end. Uh, I'm so just gonna I, warn I'm not y'all. sure if this is five to one or one to five. But in the order that he sent it to us, top five Thanksgiving dishes, smoked turkey, big fan, smoked ham, big fan, dressing, there we go. Not <laughs> stuffing, though, because stuffing can get iffy and... Nah, just yeah. do dressing. And definitely not stovetop. Like, no, you got you to gotta go for it. Yeah, you have to make the cornbread and you have to make the... Like, yeah, you have to go all out. Big fan. Another fan of the green bean casserole? No. And this one, not one you would typically consider for Thanksgiving dishes, but jalapeno poppers. I love that, Alan. I love it. I so wanna, great. I love that that's a, somehow in your family that, that would, that's become a common thing. That's great. I, I think we should all try to adapt that. <laughs> I well, made, well, we hosted a baby shower here for a friend this weekend, and I made jalapeno poppers. And they went so fast that my wife didn't even get one. They were just gone. You know, I, I would I'd be really appreciative this weekend at the chili cook-off if somebody, like, 
instead of bringing me a bowl of chili, brought me a jalapeno popper. Just some jalapeno poppers. Here's, here's uh, you know, in case, in case you like bowl of chili number 13, <laughs> you might give that a good good rating. Here's a couple well, like, of jalapeno yeah. poppers. I sneak it in. So to your point, though, Rob Bro, he says, you could put jalapeno poppers on any top five list of food ever, and I would not argue. He's right. I, I, I think, I, I mean, what what that would go well, like a, it's a good sushi dish. Uh, you know, top five Italian dishes. I think jalapeno poppers are in there. You could put some Parmesan cheese on the top or something. <laughs> All right, so Alan Corbinson's another one, but this is more of a, it's actually sports related, football related. And he says, not a question, but I'm trying to, I'm having a hard time reading it, but it, Bill Snyder should set fire. Sorry. I think it Bill should Snyder, have been in there. Yeah. But Bill Snyder should set fire to the stadium if they force him out. That way it looks like the way he found the program in the late eighties. <laughs> just a shots fired. Just a bunch of rubble. Which is interesting because I read an article today from uh, Bring on the Cats, or it was linked in an article from Bring on the Cats about the their recruiting practices and how it's like super old school and not at all like what everybody else is doing. Because when they de- when the NCAA deregulated how many support staff coaches they have, everybody blew up their staffs. Oh yeah, for recruiting purposes. Whereas Kansas State is still re- like relying. They've got two people on staff with recruiting in their titles but they're also assistant coaches on the staff. Oh, so, so they like have the, other duties. The recruiting director is like their special teams coordinator. Oh gosh. It's a busy that's a busy person. Yeah. Well, and, and, and trying to, point, to also recruit. The, the point in the article was like because he's the main point for recruits, parents of recruits, parents of players that were former recruits, is like he's got too much on his plate. There's no way he can keep up with this. And they were they were looking at this uh they were looking at a specific I said, if you're looking at 500 student athletes from a recruiting standpoint, standpoint, which most most teams do, if you're using Huddle, like they have on every video, have a 15 second ad. He's like, with a season worth of recruiting tapes, that's 20 hours of Huddle ads. Yeah. <laughs> Good gosh. Okay, sorry, that was kind of a weird way to fit that in there. Okay, this is from Adele, one of our newest but most consistent submitters here one if you're going bowling which one would you want i'm assuming bowl games yeah we've been the texas bowls about the most common one we're projected for right now i think one guy said liberty bowl i I, selfishly i wouldn't want that one because that one's on new year's eve the other ones are on like december 27th 28th those are more convenient for me (laughs) <laughs> yes let's go with convenience yeah let's go here. with convenience on the bowl uh i know texas bowl it was on either the 27th or 8th um and then there was another there's another one in uh, i think the academy academy sports bowl i'm not even sure where that one is but it looks like that's kind of where we're headed i i would like i mean it's it's not great for fans or for travel but i kind of think it'd be great for the kids to go to somewhere outside of the state of Texas. seems like most all our bowl games have been in Texas the last several times. Yes. Well, except for Birmingham. Yeah. It's been Birmingham and Houston. And Houston. San Diego, Dallas. Oh, yeah, San Diego a few years ago. That's right. Holiday so Bowl. The one that I 
it's probably too high in the pecking order for you to reach this year, but it has a Big 12 tie, is the Alamo Bowl. I'm a big fan of that game. I like that too. I do it's, like it's the Alamo Bowl. usually Dome. a great matchup. Right, and it's a good atmosphere. And uh, Which I, So the one time Tech played in the Alamo Bowl against uh, Michigan, Michigan State. State, I was there. Enjoyed that game thoroughly. I watched it at Lone Star Oyster Bar. <laughs> I was there, man. I was in the crowd <laughs> chanting for sticks when he came in. That's right. Saved the day. Booed Adam James. They showed him on the big screen. So how about this? Did you see... I'm, I'm shifting gears completely. We'll have to get back to this, Adele. Did you see when they introduced the 2008 football team? It happened right in front of me. I was on the field for that. And Adam James was in there, wasn't he? Mm-hmm. Could you sense that the crowd did not care? Well, because here's it the thing. Was pretty, it was pretty uh, – it was not well-received. It was more just a, oh, yeah. Had I, hey. One, if Tech had been winning that game – it may have been received a little bit better. That's true. Two, if they had like recognizable faces from that team there, because like Graham Harrell wasn't there. Of course, he, right. he's coaching. He's coaching a game, but like Taylor the Potts most was recognizable. There. Yeah, Potts and uh, Adam James, James. was there. Uh, not Austin Zuzalik. Alex Torres was there. Although I think at that point he may have been like a freshman. Um, Brandon Carter was there, but you couldn't recognize him because he lost so much weight. Uh, one of the other linemen, not Mickey Okafor, but Marlon Wynn, maybe? I don't know. I don't know. Um, other players of note I met on the sideline this weekend was Kiki Kuti. Talked to him for like yeah, he was 10 there. seconds. He's a cool guy. Short guy. Little guy. <laughs> there was a defensive really, really, tackle. Really, 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 really fast guy. Defensive tackle from a couple of years ago, blank on his name, big dude, obviously. Um, a couple of weeks ago when Brandon Jones was there, so uh, Demetrius Alston was with him, and he had his, his brother with him. It was, it's always cool to see like who you run into on the sideline of like former players. Uh, we, we were introduced right before Mickey Peters was, so I got to meet him. Oh, that's cool. I mean, not that I ever watched him as a fan, but it's cool to see him for a second. So next to one of the regents, not a big fan of that man. I actually asked the group if I should junk punt this dude while I was standing there. <laughs> Consensus was yes. I missed my opportunity. Yeah, uh, there's a lot of, I mean, it seems the general consensus, back to the bowl projections, is that, <laughs> junk punch, is that uh, the Texas Bowl is kind of the the leading bowl of choice in Houston right now. And even one place has Tech playing Auburn, which would be a fun matchup. Be different, yeah. You get the the Stidham matchup. Yeah, I, I don't think a lot of people outside of maybe our fan base would know. I don't think even Auburn's fan base would know. Like, well, he came from Baylor. Like, uh, yeah. Baylor got him from us. <laughs> There's a little something before that. And then she also asked, "Y'all ever had a turducken?" Yes, and it was the duck in there was so gamey, it like over. It was kind of nasty. I've never had one. I've never even seen one in person. I don't think. So basically what it is is they take the, the meats of these birds and they debone it and they just wrap it, or roll it together. So you get the three layers and they have like a rice dressing stuffing in the middle of it. Not as good as, as I would have thought. Oh, hey, we've got, we've got to tell the listeners our favorite Thanksgiving foods. We can't forget that before we quit. Okay. I'm sure they're just dying to know. <laughs> okay. 
This is from from Brian, ground level Purdue fan all along. This is his new uh, new Twitter handle. Love it. Which one would taste better, the Kansas Jayhawk or the Iowa State Toothbird? <laughs> I, I love his uh, vendetta against birds with teeth. <laughs> it's valid too. It's so birds, creepy. Birds don't have teeth. birds don't have teeth. Everyone knows this. Yet they keep drawing them on things. I think the. I think the Kansas bird would uh, wouldn't be as tough. I'm about to say he looks softer. Yeah. <laughs> in in certain aspects, Kansas itself is just softer. So I, I not in basketball. Yeah, that's why I said certain. I had to qualify that. I, I don't know. I think I'd go for the Jayhawk. Blue seems more appetizing. Than blue, red. Blue feathers. Yeah. I'm not eating feathers of a bird. Well, you've got to pluck it. Are we preparing this bird? I'm just eating it, man. You're just not, eating it? You're yeah. just showing up? Yeah. Okay. All right. Red Raider Reset. The only reason why I'm reading this is because you responded to him. Red Raider Reset, man. He says, I got nothing this week. I want you to re- you remember your response. <laughs> My response to him was, I plan on leaning heavily into Thanksgiving food content. And we've done that. Yeah, we have. We are. This is our longest segment of the show. So we've, we've passed the Kansas State preview length. We're just rolling right through this. Yeah. We, we've got to read all the questions. And we do. Oh, I, that may be the last one. Oh, that too. was it. I think we're done. All right, so so give me your Thanksgiving staples. What do you what do you? It has to. What be, do you quote unquote have to have? Well, you have to have dark meat turkey. I'm not a fan of the breast, turkey breast. <laughs> nice. Someone. <laughs> Sorry, someone grab that drop. Okay. It's, it's like when 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 somebody ever like says the number sixty nine on the radio and like the co-host is like nice. <laughs> I'm that guy. Sometimes you don't either. You ignore it when I say it, or you just. You just didn't hear me. Yeah. Um, so dark meat, turkey, um, a good dressing. My my great grandmother's recipe, of course. Mm. It's family. It's one I've grown up on. Uh, you gotta have a, a, a good gravy. I like a like a good creamed corn. Yeah, y'all, man. So these are all kind of like y'all make a good creamed corn over there. Yeah, good stuff. Um, I mean, you've got to have bread in there somewhere, but like, uh, that's not something I'm like searching out. Whoa, okay, hold on. So you you give me your yours non desserts because we're gonna do that separately. Okay, non desserts. I preferred smoked turkey, but I don't even know if I would add that. Turkey's kind of just part of the deal. Uh, it's it's pretty good. I I do like it quite a bit. Um, I do like dark meat turkey as well, but I I. I like both sides of the bird. <laughs> so uh, I would throw in deviled eggs. Excuse me. Mm-hmm. Deviled eggs is a delight, a delight. My mom makes this broccoli cheese and rice casserole. It's not really casserole. It's just a big pot <laughs> full of, it's just rice and I think Velveeta cheese. And I can't even explain it. I think there's some cream of mushroom soup in there or something. Or Why is that celery? everything? I don't know. It, and then, of course, broccoli. It's just so great. I, I don't even know. It's been around as long as I can remember, and I think her mom made it too. So that's always one of my requests. And then I I grew up with uh, her mom's dressing, with my mom's mom's dressing. And then when I got married, Allison made dressing one year. You're like, sorry, Mom. 
we both mom did too we both decided oh, oh yeah this is better allison you're gonna make dressing for the <laughs> you're you're stuck with it for the rest for the rest of it because she puts uh i think it's got apples in it but you don't notice it it just kind of keeps everything moist and then she also has uh breakfast sausage in there which is a really nice touch and pecans. I mean, it's it's not like that's a different kind of dressing. It's, like, it's, it's not something I've ever right. Heard of. It's it's one that you know you might not think you would like it, but I almost guarantee you would like it. And then she also makes her own cranberry sauce, very nice. Which I also I, I've I like it much better than the canned stuff because I I but I'm still a big fan of like the canned. Shape of the can. Yes. (laughs) I love it because I I would just use it as jelly for my next thing, which is brown and serve rolls. You were talking about bread. I love just a good old brown and serve roll because you can use that for anything. Sandwich. You make your little turkey sandwich. The leftover sandwich. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Put some cranberry sauce in there. Anyway, that's those are kind of my favorites that I really like. So my my great-grandmother's dressing, is it's... uh, mm, I think it's Martha White cornbread. Chewing some ice over there, very nice. Um, Martha White. Yeah, it's it, it's like an individual pe- bags. Okay. In the p- packages, um, and then it's like beef stock, cooked onions and celery, and like parsley or something. It's originally it's really for um, dressing balls. Oh, I don't, I don't, I don't mess with. Forming the ball, I just do like the big casserole pan. Oh yeah, like yeah. Nine by thirteen, two two and a half inches thick. Just as much <laughs> as you can pile into the pan. So I, I made that last year for Thanksgiving here in Lubbock with all of Samantha's family, and it was great. I just made way too much. I made two full pans <laughs> of that. We ate most of one. Yeah, we but got I, to where we freeze dressing pretty yeah. quickly. Yeah. All right. Um, we were going to talk about Thanksgiving desserts really quickly because I think we differ on a lot of some some dessert takes here because although I am a born and raised Texan, I cannot get down with pecans. Pecan pie is not going to be on my plate next week. I I, I was going to list it, but I consider pecan pie more of a Christmas pie, if that makes any sense. It doesn't. So that but. that is that was not on my list of Thanksgiving must-haves. It's oh, it, it's definitely if it's there, yeah, I'm gonna eat an unhealthy amount of it. But it's not on my must-have Thanksgiving yeah. dessert list. But a good pecan pie, pumpkin I mean, pumpkin, pumpkin pie pumpkin, is. That's exactly what I'm. I don't know. Why I pumpkin was pie has to be. Yep, it has to be there for Thanksgiving. That and I got turned on. I not how I meant. <laughs> Sorry. Um, I got interested into trying chess pie. Oh, man. I actually was thinking of chess pie before you so started talking. I got it in my head I was going to make it, and I made one last weekend. Not sure I love this recipe because it actually called for a little bit of, um, oh, what is that? Um, it's basically like the corn flour you use for tortillas. It's like a very small amount of that, but like, I don't know if it didn't mix well, but like those, there are three distinct flavors in this pie that I made. It was butter, eggs, and this corn flour. <laughs> I was like, I don't think I did this right. It's not bad. Um, well, there's isn't there like done, lemon chess and 
I think chocolate chess, butter are, chess. And th- th- this was probably a butter chess. It had a little bit of vinegar in it too. Mm. Anyways, in preparation, I was not ready for, because I did not read all the way through the recipe when I was doing this. <laughs> I've called, done that. So I had to, I had to pre-bake the, the, the pie shell for a few minutes, right? And it says, do you use pie weights? It's like, what the F are pie weights? <laughs> so basically what I did is I had to like line the pie shell with foil and then like got our big jar of change, like loose change and dumped it in there. <laughs> you, what? Well, okay. So the chain was only touching the foil. I, I use it to weight down the, the shell. What temp was the oven? I'm like 400 or whatever. You just, you just cook some change. I did. It was too hot to handle. When I came out. <laughs> so I, I pulled it out, uh, dumped the thing in there and then it says to cook it for like 10 minutes. And then to pull it out, and then to shield the shell, the like the exposed pie crust shell. I was like, I don't have a pie crust shield. I had to like fashion something out of foil, like not knowing what I was doing, dealing with a hot pan. <laughs> just it get was a mess. you got to get your pre-made crust next time. Well, see, I didn't want to deal with like just it. It felt weird. But the crust, like as much as but like, throwing I'm, a bunch of change into the as much pie of a crust. noob as I was trying to make this pie, the 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 crust actually turned out really well. And, and oh, okay, it didn't well, burn. And everything is good. That goes back to our theory of okay. Well, now we can test that theory that we brought up a few weeks ago. I think I think it was Allison who thought of it. What's more important, the the, the filling or the crust in a pie? So this pie, the. Uh, the, the crust has definitely been better <laughs> and because I, I don't want to throw it away. I've been slowly eating at this pie and just me, Samantha doesn't like it. Grayson doesn't like it. It's like every other day. I like, this is so right. good guys. Y'all are really missing out. <laughs> All right. I'm gonna go have another piece of pie. Anybody, anybody want a piece of pie? No, it, it'll, no, no pie. It'll take like a full two weeks to eat this whole thing by myself. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Freeze some of it and bring it back. Hey, look what I found. Get a couple more pieces of that chess pie. But yeah, so if it, maybe if I can find a good recipe for it, chess pie would be something on my list. Yeah, that's a solid one. Pumpkin. Yeah, pumpkin for sure. Yeah. There's 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 got to be some other one I'm missing. I mean, pecan. Okay. Yeah, it it goes with there, but I'm not gonna feel disappointed if there's no pecan pie, as much as I do like it. It's just more Christmassy. I don't know why. I just have this thought, and it's way too late to do anything about this, but are we, are we talking about Thanksgiving foods too soon? Should we have done this like this segment next Tuesday? <laughs> well, we could next Tuesday we might be talking about what we're actually preparing. What we're making. Yeah. Good call. What's actually on the menu. Because not, not all of these things might make it, but most of them will, I think. Yeah, so like we're going to my my, like I said, my grandmother's house in Mississippi. I don't know if, if I said that on the recording or it was just to you beforehand. We're going to my grandmother's house in Mississippi. We haven't done this as a family, like fifteen years. That's a big trip. We used to do um, like ever like we used to do Thanksgiving, Christmas, both at my grandmother's house in Natchez, Mississippi. Namesake of the Natchez crepe myrtle too. Oh, which I, I saw somebody talking. My about mom it. would probably know that. <laughs> so I, I saw somebody talking about it, and he was calling it. Uh, oh, just the way he butchered the pronunciation was like. N- Natchez, oh, or uh, Natchez, Natchez. It was like, dude, it's like matches with an M, but it's like it's an N, just like matches, but put an N in the front. Natchez, Natchez, N A T C H E Z, Natchez. 
oh, Natchez. I could see doing Natchez. Yeah. NFT. That's that's what I would probably think if I saw it. Just yeah. living in Texas, that would where my mind would go. It's a great little town. We're going there next week. Population? Twenty thousand. Oh, okay. So it's pretty. It's a good size. It's a good size high schools. Well, it's got a like a like a three or four A equivalent public school and like a one A private school. Okay, that's cool. So there'll be some. There might be a movie theater floating around. Y'all might be able to see a movie or. There's a Walmart there. Yeah. (laughs) There's a mall. (laughs) A bowling alley. (laughs) I I want you to know I wasn't being sarcastic. I my town had twenty eight hundred people, so I've. This town will put your town to shame. Yeah, I, I was I was thinking of all the great oh. things y'all could do. Womp. Oh, 15,000 people. Population as of 2017 is just under 15,000 and trending down. Oh. <laughs> hey, well, y'all are about to show up. It'll it'll peak back up for a little bit. Yeah, there's going to be five of us there. Oh. <laughs> well, be, well, I say that. The rest of my family is in, in Jackson, which is the capital of Mississippi. Oh, okay. So they're not, it's like an hour away. All right, we're going to talk about the yard for a second because this, this recent weather, as much as, as the Bermuda around town may have checked out after yesterday and today, like I saw a noticeable difference in color between like Sunday and today around my house. And not my house, but the neighbors. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the the neighbor next to me that is uh, really busy and doesn't, he's got a family, doesn't really take care of his yard a whole bunch. Look at my, my Alamo Bowl yeah, sweater. Here. I just noticed that. Well, no wonder he's into the Alamo Bowl earlier because he's wearing an Alamo Bowl hoodie. Hoodie, yeah, right well, now. Let me get all gangster here and put the hood up. Yeah, totally, totally, totally all for the Valero Alamo Bowl. 2010. Yeah, it's got the like the weird scripty font. Yeah. Looks like it's from the Western times. I don't know. <laughs> it was a, like a Christmas gift that year. Yeah. Um. Sorry. I derailed your yard my grass is loving this cold weather dude it's still green it's still great I, I mowed it maybe for the last time um on saturday yeah i saw that you had the mower thought out thought about well when i did it i was like i should have planned ahead better because the cold weather it wasn't really great to cut it and then have it get real cold right after that but it's still green everybody else around me is brown loving my fescue I mowed my grass for the last time. Like two weeks ago. Yeah. <laughs> and it still looks the exact same. So I, I'm glad to be done. Hopefully I am done. Yeah. I'm, I had to, when you saw me post a picture of the mower, it was in Slack. I was talking about, yeah. everyone was talking about their, their uh, lunch plans on Saturday. And I was like, well, I'm doing probably the peak of dad, suburban dad chore, right? I was cleaning the mower deck. <laughs> I had my little paint scraper out and everything. I was scraping off. Like I got like a, a grocery bag worth of stuff because I haven't done it in a while. I should have done it. I need to go back under there and clean it or some kind of treat it somehow. I need to change the oil in mine. I don't think I've changed it since I bought it. Yeah, I need to change the oil, and then I need to do like a fuel treatment on it Yeah, one last time before. It's good. This is good, good for everybody here. You too, Michael. It's good for your mower to actually put it away, store it with fuel in it, but it needs to be treated. Yeah. Because gas with ethanol in it will not attract water, but there will be like condensation, everything. It doesn't separate and fuels with ethanol as well as it probably should. Small, uh, cycle engine. What are those called? Small engines. 
just smaller engine that you have like on a, on a mower or some kind of power tool like that are really sensitive to water and the fuel much more so than your vehicle. Plus you, you'll go through the fuel in your vehicle much quick, much more quickly than you do in a mower. I think I filled up my gas can like early this summer and I haven't refilled it. That's apparently bad because they're supposed to, I think they were, I think I read somewhere that you're supposed to use that fuel within a couple of weeks. That doesn't happen. It's been like six months. Gosh, <laughs> I, I don't. I really am and, not and sure. Was, I filled mine up this season, and it was untreated. I, I've every time I fill it up, though, because I know this happens, I treat it. Like every time I fill up, I treat it from the gas can. So every bit of gas I'm putting well, in, there you go. into the mower is treated already. But so, even then, I, I mean, I'm serious. I may be using gas that's a year old. Well, it, it's treated. It's, it's treated, it's but still. My gas, untreated, and it was a little higher in the ethanol content than it should be. So I'm pushing the limits on this brand new mower. Pushing pushing the push mower. So, all right. Uh, let's talk about what we learned. Forgot we were going to do that. Just really You quickly. go first. If I want audience participation, I need to ask about Thanksgiving foods. Yeah. Apparently. A lot, a lot, of, uh, a lot of good comments there. Big fan of also talking about food for 45 minutes. <laughs> oh. Maybe maybe we should have two podcasts, Michael. One about sports, one about food. And then they could clash at a goal line? <laughs> no, okay. What I learned was when I was in Atlanta last week for a conference, for that's how I say it. And I, so I saw a picture. You actually got like a Dwight Schrute-sized business card. Somebody handed it to you. It was like oversized, like bold move. Cotton. I could barely, I could barely fit this business card into my wallet. I, I don't, I don't know. I kept it just kind of for the novelty of it. Um, but sorry to derail that. No, you're fine. What, what I was going to get at is one evening we got to go to the College Football Hall of Fame, and so I made. I made the effort to try to find every single Texas Tech related thing in there. And guys, there's not a lot. Uh, Shocker. There's there's not a lot in there. What's what's neat though is that when you go in you you are given this badge lanyard thing and it registers to a computer and you hook you know, you say who you are and what school you're affiliated with. And so every time you walk into one of these interactive things, it senses your badge and then it displays something related to your school. So there, there wasn't a lot. <laughs> to, a lot of empty rooms. Empty I'm, I'm showing you. Spencer this. For some reason, they had a, f- a full-size uh, mannequin of the masked rider. Very nice. Which, which, was, uh, which was good. I, I enjoyed that. And I think they had, oh, what was it? Oh, they had like this thing for, because I think this, this opened in 2014. So they had this big blurb about Houston beats TCU in aerial battle in November 3rd, 1990. And it was like, it's not often your quarterback throws for almost 700 yards and you lose. And I was like, oh, y'all need to Ouch. update that one. <laughs> y'all need to update that one to 2016. And then, of course, our one claim to fame there was a timeline video, and if, if if Spencer would read what was what was noted in 2008, Texas Tech upsets top-ranked Texas. What? Did y'all know we did that? We did that. That was crazy. The very next thing says Hawaii plays in Sugar Bowl. Yeah, which is also just crazy. <laughs> Them and Colt Brennan. That's right, Colt. Yeah, the Rainbow Warriors. So that's what I learned. 
there's not a lot not a lot of Texas Tech stuff in the uh, College Football Hall of Fame, but hey, there's still time. There needs to be some tortillas at least. I know. So I, does. I, I heard about this and I was disappointed I missed it. I was on the field not paying attention because I was trying to like preserve my eardrums. So usually what happens at the very beginning of the game is I'm in the south end zone looking north of the scoreboard next to the saddle tramp with the shotguns. Oh, man. So like, I stand so right, right there. there. Um, and instead of looking at the crowd, because apparently it was noted that there was a an abundance of tortillas flying at kickoff, opening kickoff, and I missed it because I wasn't paying attention. I was covering my ear and looking at the field. I'm sad I missed that. <laughs> because th- th- there is a there's a picture like and a meme. This is from when the, the first time it, it, pro- it cropped up a couple years ago, maybe, when they were trying to get rid of the tortillas again. There was like a meme in support of it. It's like our tortillas were blot out the sun. <laughs> right? And it had like a bunch of tortillas up in the air. It was like that's a great picture. Yeah, I think the more people try to stop it from happening, the more people are determined to to smuggle them in. Which is great. Then I say keep trying to to, to put it down cuz I want to see more tortillas. Yeah. Let them fly. Bring them in. All right, everybody. I want to thank you for joining us on the 23 Personal Podcast episode 50. We will catch you after the Kansas State game this weekend.